Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. I'm Ryan Katz alongside WWE Hall of Famer, the Road Dog, Jesse James, BG James, Brian James, and this is your needed fix of episode six of Oh You Didn't Know, You Better Call Somebody. <laughs> oh, never cease to amaze, Ryan Katz. You know, I am excited to... about this episode, man. I am too. It's going to be fun, and the feedback's been tremendous so far. Yeah, I got to ask great. you, what's been your favorite part of these trips down memory lane so far? Man, I, to be quite honest with you, to, to especially this one tonight about the roadie, to watch some of that stuff back that I haven't seen in so long, the stuff with William Shatner, and we'll talk about that in this episode, But uh, and we'll talk about Shawn Michaels and, and his input in, in that after, right after that William Shatner spot. So uh, a, a lot, but, but watching the stuff back is super nostalgic for me. And it also just reminds me, like, okay, like you, you didn't suck. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're all right, kid. Uh, I mean, but, I, yeah, I've, it's been really cool to see that old stuff. I received some Twitter messages saying that, hey, you should let Brian know that he shouldn't be so hard on himself, <laughs> that, that he's actually pretty good, and, and, and he beats himself up a lot over I do. a lot of I these do. Things. That's one of my that, – look, that's an issue. That's an issue I have, and, and I've been told that, and I realized that over the past 11-plus years or 11 something, you know, 11 years, something months, um, to, to think about that, you know what I mean? To think about, uh, holy crap. I forgot what we were just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. We need, we need a chair shot sound effect dog. So I have no idea what we were talking about, Ryan. I swear. let, let's talk about present. I got day. my TD Jags towel out. We're we're two minutes in. I like it. Can you believe we're heading to the summer already, man? We're six episodes into this show, and time is just cruising because the summer means it's like six months of retirement life. <laughs> retirement. Look, uh, Ryan. What I am is unemployed. I'm not. I'm not retired. I'm 52 years old for the love of Pete. I know my body looks like I'm 111, but I'm 52 years old. And so if you're out there and you're listening, I really could use a gig. You know what I mean? Like I can juggle. I uh, am great at kids' birthday parties. You're Uh, you're also hitting like like a farmer. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm a farmer. I got all my John Deere. Got all my John Deere gear. Got my goats. Got miniature goats. Got miniature baby goats on the way. Reach out, I'll sell you one. Ship it to Saudi Arabia for you too. (laughs) I'm looking forward to a cool cat summer myself, but that's the future, and we're gonna take it back to the past. Mm. Because today we're going down memory lane, and we're discussing the roadies debut. This is what gets it going. Did you consider this your first break or was getting to work in WCW before that what you considered as your big break? Yeah, so so to be quite honest with you, at this point in my career, I didn't know what a break was, but I would sure, at now where I stand, I would sure say that WCW was my first break because while I was not contracted and while I did 
jobs every week on television. I got paid 350 bucks a week and I could work indies on the weekend. I just did TVs and got beat on TV. And I got the opportunity to work with Terry Funk before I got to the opportunity to work with Terry Funk. I got to work with Flair. I got to work with Arn Anderson, with Bunkhouse Buck, with the whole, you know, uh, everybody who was there, uh, Sting, uh, Harlem Heat, all these guys that we're going to kind of talk about. Um, I got to work with all of them. And so that was surely my first big break. Only at the time, I had no idea it was a, a big break. You know what I mean? So that was about 1994. You were working mm-hmm. as enhancement talent there. You kind of answered one of the questions I was going and bringing that up and brought up some of those names, some other names, okay, cool, Nasty yeah. Boys, Jungle Jim Steele, Paul Orndorff and Paul <laughs> Roma, Steve Austin, Harlem Heat. You laugh on Jungle yeah. Jim Steele. Tell me a story, That's just man. No, I don't have a story for Jungle Jim. I really don't. He was a great guy. Uh it's a blast from the past is why I, why I laughed. Like, I hadn't thought about that dude in a really long time. He was a really good guy, really good-looking dude with a great body. Like, he had a, he had a great future. Um, I don't really know. Uh, yes, what, Steve Austin, Harlem. What happened Heath. to him? Yeah, yeah, I don't really know what happened to, uh, to Jungle oh, Jim. But, but I do have, yeah, I'm sorry. I do have stories for Nasty Boys. I have stories for uh, Stunning Steve Austin. I have stories for Harlem Heat. I have Take me so, to Pity City right now. Yeah, man. yeah, Nasty Boys. So the interesting story about the Nasty Boys is I was doing jobs in WCW when they came in. Well, I had just gotten out of the military like months ago. You know what I mean? Like not years ago, like months ago. So I had no idea who who I had seen the Nasty Boys. I knew they were the WWF tag team champions when they were they were a, a great tag team, you know what I mean? Um so I knew that, but I didn't know them. And so we were in the dressing room in WCW uh and I was getting dressed next to Big Boss Man. His nightstick was on his bag. I was sitting there and here came the Nasty Boys and they were talking to my brother Brad who was sitting about four seats away from us. Um, and so when they were talking to him, they weren't looking at me. And so they started dogging my dad. Uh, and I literally grabbed boss man's nightstick and went around the door to go in. And my brother Scott stopped me and said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to bash that dude's skull in. And, uh, and he was like, God, no, 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 no. So a couple of people stopped me now that I know them. Like I wouldn't dream of that, but I was fresh out of the Marine Corps. These guys are dogging my dad. Now I just traveled to Liverpool with them, to be quite honest with you, and sat literally right next to them on the flight over uh, and the flight back different guys still the nasty boys just not quite so nasty uh but now that i know them, good good friends of mine let's go to stunning steve austin because that's what he was when i worked there just one funny story about the uh about a match we had he shot me in and called backdrop and i've taken two backdrops in my whole career and uh one of them was by the uh, rock and roll express in mm-hmm. smoky mountain and my feet hit the top rope on the other side and it landed on my head and i thought you know what i probably shouldn't do that again I'm um, just a little, little long, little long for that, I think. But I don't know. I know a lot of tall guys that can do it. I just couldn't. He shot me in, called for backdrop, went duck down. I hooked him right in the side, front face lock, threw his hand over my neck and suplexed him and covered him. And as he, the, the guy was counting, he said, I guess you didn't like the call, huh, kid? <laughs> said, I'm sorry, man. I don't take backdrops. <laughs> Calling the audibles oh, yeah. with big-time talent. What was it like as a learning experience for you to be in the ring with guys like that at this phase of your career, the start? You know, so they were – look, they were uh... – he had been in the business longer than I have for sure, but they were still finding their way too. Some, some of them, so, mm-hmm. some of them I got to work with that were seasoned veterans, and uh, and and I learned a ton from just watching and listening. Um, 
But I also wanted to tell a Harlem Heat story because those guys, I worked with those guys so many times. Me and Brad, uh, a lot of dark matches for opening televisions or pay-per-views, and, and a lot of times we worked together. Me and Booker T one time worked, and uh, Brad's blood pressure was too high to wrestle in St. Louis. Um, and I don't know how mine wasn't because I was on a lot more stuff than he was. But, uh, but, but uh, I got cleared to wrestle. We were the opening match. It was me versus uh, Booker T. And Muhammad Ali was sitting ringside in St. Louis. Like, that was just a really wow. cool, like, all of, everything about that's really cool. And so I'll never forget that. But, but, but we really uh, worked a ton with Harlem Heat, man. And I got a ton of respect for those guys. They always treated me really good. And, uh, and we always got along. So, yeah, all those names you listed, I, I kind of had some stories for. Aside from the cool factor of having a Muhammad Ali in the crowd, does it add more pressure that you're trying to impress more so than a regular audience that you want him to like you, you want to stand out, you want him to be the one that he goes home and talks about? Yeah, for, for sure. Like, look, you want to stand out, but it's also the opening match of a pay-per-view that's not even on the pay-per-view. You know what I mean? So it's you don't go out there and do backflips off the top ropes because that's just— Well, you do nowadays, not, Yeah, well, that just because you can don't mean you should. Uh, just— because you can do it don't mean it's right or smart um, but you got to leave something for, for everybody else and this is literally not even on the show so we I, but I did learn a lot about wrestling uh, with Booker T and and timing and spots and you know what I mean like it just literally that's it's where I learned to kind of wrestle and that's that's saying something because I got to the WWE seven eight months after this and and I had no idea what I was doing we'll get to that in a moment yeah, one of the other talents you were wrestling was a gentleman known as Terra Rising. I think people now know him as Triple H. Uh, was this your first time meeting him back then? Yes, yes. And the funny story is, uh, like, I was the first one to jump ship, and he came later. You know what I mean? So he, I met him in WCW. He started getting a little push. I wasn't, but we'll talk about the opportunity I got here uh, shortly and uh, that our paths crossed again. But, yeah, this is where we had first introductions and kind of got to know each other. And we worked with each other a few times down there, too. So that was cool. Very cool. Six days following a WCW Saturday night taping on August 10th. You lost to Lord Steven Regal working a dark match at the WWF Wrestling Challenge. Regal! Yeah. Uh, excuse me, where you lost to Regal. Then you worked a dark match at the WWF Wrestling Challenge taping in Lowell, defeating longtime WWF enhancement talent Barry Hardy. We're going to go to this match right now and take a little watch and listen. So the audio is really poor on here. Let's uh, let's just kill the audio and we'll talk about it because I, I, I love to bury my old stuff. And this was some this was some new new stuff. Yeah, the audio is horrible. Um but I do love to see Barry Hardy there. I love to see a young Timmy White back there as the referee. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was Lowell Mass, man. It was a great little building. Um, and I, we're going to talk about this, how this all came about here shortly. Um, but, it, but here I came out straight off. It looked like I, just like I, uh, just like I wrestled in WCW. You know what I mean? Just like I, there's the Georgia, uh, it's a it's a knockoff Ribera jacket, but it says Georgia on it. I've got the braids in. I just wore the baby blue, or uh, excuse me, the royal blue baby face trunks. 
knee pads and, High and wrestling boots and lapping the ring with yeah. the fist pumping for the crowd. Oh yeah, I'm babyface all the way. I'm running for friggin' governor here in Lowell. <laughs> and uh and the truth be told is I watched this. I watched this with my old or my youngest daughter yesterday and she said, For the love of God, I don't ever want to see you like that again. <laughs> because I had regular trunks on. She had never seen me work like that. Um, and, and it's great talk about seeing you work like that. It is a different style than the, than what we're used to. I mean, just look at it. You're taking the aggression in the in the wrestling and technician style. Oh, oh right yeah. Here. Well, this was look at there. You, you know, today, if I tried to do this in a ring, people would crap on me because it's try. You know, it's that white meat baby face thing. I'm trying to I'm trying to do that here. And if you do that today, look, that's what that all changed with Stone Cold. I don't know if it'll come back or not. Uh, that white meat baby face. But look, I had no clue what I was doing. And, and another story about this uh, is Beautiful I didn't have a finish. Right there. Followed by a drop, I, I, oh, kick, a drop lands kick, lands in the face, and then pumps up the crowd. You see Timmy White says, hey, watch the fist, and I got to like break the fist. It's real. You know what I mean? Like I, That's what I love about it. I love watching. Like, okay, this was a different time and era. Um, but it. Uh, what were we talking about? Other than we're, this match, I mean, we're in the whole vibe of this match and yeah. breaking. Look in. at a, look at a Timmy White man is such a uh, look. I have no idea what I'm doing right here. Oh, gut wrench salto. I've seen somebody do this, but I did it standing and didn't even fall down with him. Oh, I'll drop a leg. <laughs> nope, he's coming up. Right yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. We got hey, well, neither one of. I mean, he knew what he was doing because he'd worked for. I, this was my, you know. 50th match probably and and this match is pretty much considered a tryout at this point for 100 percent. Right? this was right before the show started on tv there was this was they just put me with him and said we need a eight minute match with you see Roll what you can do two count says come on bring it yeah, on Harvey. yeah he's gonna get some heat on me in a minute we're gonna get a chance for the uh for the upper echelon to watch me sell a little bit see what happens oh kick to the lower to the Follow with the right hand has you staggered Stagger, stagger, crawl, crawl. Yeah, it's uh, it was. Look, I, the interesting part of this, it to me, is not the wrestling aspect of it, but what we're going to talk about probably next is uh, is how what else happened this night. You know what I mean? Uh, some more stuff that really was more important to me than this wrestling. And we'll, we'll cover that here in just a second. But you can see now, I'm, you know, I took a couple of bumps for him. And it wasn't like I did it for him. It was just like I wanted him to get on me a little bit so they could see, uh, you know, it's also you make your opponent. I hear that all the time while we had a squash match. And I get it. There's a spot for that. Um, the Veer Mahal or the, you know what I mean, the Warlord or whatever that Wardlow or whatever that guy's name is. If they wanted to feed him some people, I would understand that. Um, but if we're just out there working a match, cold match, nobody knows either one of us. I got to prop him up a little bit, too. You know what I mean? That's the psychologies. I shine. He shuts me down. I do a hope spot. He cuts me off. Finish. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Ducks the clothes. I still I still didn't know how to hit those ropes. Cross those ropes body. are, are uh, shorter and real ropes. And WCW's ropes were tall and toyed as a toyger. You know what I mean? Like, they were, you could uh, eat dinner on those things and they wouldn't move. Hardy Here, I think. Uh, oh, taking yeah, a big one yeah. up a little, a little chopped, high right there. Looks like a throw me, in the face right chopped there. Chop me right in the throat. <laughs> Barry Hardy, you son of a bee sting. So oh, how no, does this a, tryout match come about? Who contacts you about doing it, especially so, when you're already working for WCW? Oh. Um, so it was Man Mountain Rock, Max Payne. 
is, right. is the guy who facilitated all of this, and it was all about uh, music. There's some jabs that I did up front. Oh, and a kick in the and face. A big in a big boot. And here comes Wait, here comes amazing, what dog. the brawler said. Brooklyn Baller said, well, your brother was up here. He used a drop kick off the top row. I said, okay. Oh, now, God, I'll never do that again as long as, as I live. As he was getting up, how happy were you to see him feed up towards uh, yeah, the quarter? Because yeah, yeah, he was yeah, pretty far to away me. at first. Yeah, oh, I was thanking God. <laughs> I was thanking God. So, 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 yeah, let's let's uh, get out of there and talk about, you, you ask me who, who kind of got me there. It was it was so Max Payne uh, facilitated the, the tryout. What was interesting about the tryout is before all that happened and I had the match and everything, Max and I... Uh, and an acoustic guitar, and Vince McMahon, and Pat Patterson, and Gerald Briscoe, and I think Bruce Pritchard. I don't. I'm. I don't think Shane was there. I'm not sure, hundred percent sure of that, but he might have been. But we literally played like three songs just there in front of them acoustically, and I sang, and and then I went and had the tryout, and they were like, "Okay, we'll be in touch." And uh, so I sang. I sang. Uh, you know the song Four Non Blondes, uh, What's Going On? Yeah. I sang that, that I, wa- that I wasn't bad. You know, it was a long time ago. I was young, uh, and I needed the money. Um, but I wasn't, wasn't too bad at singing that song. Velvety Smooth. Live. Yeah, I wasn't Velvety Smooth. It was, uh, it was my own thing. But I sang that song, and I think I sang, like, Plush by Stone Temple Pilots. And... Uh, I'm not sure there was one more that I did, but those were the songs I sang in front of those guys. And they, you know, they had always wanted to sing in cowboy. That's what my brother was. My brother, Steve was Lance Cassidy, and he was going to do the same thing. When Jeff went up there, they saw the opportunity. They were like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Let's do it with him. Then we do this with Jeff. Then we do, you know what I mean? And all of that was to prop me up. But little did I know, life had different plans for me. (laughs) Seeing as you were on WCW less than a week previous, did Bischoff or anyone at WCW talk to you about it? No, uh, no, because like I said, I wasn't contracted. I literally received uh, $350 every week and, and I could do indies on the weekends. And so that's what I was doing and living with my brother, Brad and Marietta. And, uh, and no, nobody talked to me. Nobody said one word about it. You know what I mean? We actually played a, uh, like a showcase thing with, with me uh, Nick Patrick, the referee, as it was the bass player. The, the band was called Living Insanity, and uh, and we actually have some have some music that's really cool that uh, that we may actually end up putting out in the future. But it's really cool. And and uh, Max Payne, Nick Patrick, me, had a drummer and a bass player and a keyboard guy, and uh, we had a showcase where we sang some songs in front of Eric Bischoff and some and some people, and they he wouldn't take it. He was like, "We're a wrestling show. We don't have." A, you know, I thought, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? I get that. Um, but so, yeah, then he got me up there. We sang in front of him. I did that match, and the rest is history, you know. What did you notice as the differences between the WWF and the WCW locker rooms? I don't, you know, I don't think there was many differences. I know there was, uh, it seemed younger, and I, and I know there were probably some some older guys at the time, but it just seemed younger to me. WCW had a lot of guys. Look, I was 25, 20, yeah, 25 or something, 24 maybe. So I, I didn't, everybody was old to me. You know what I mean? My brother Brad was six years older than me, and he was old to me. So, so Sting and Flair and, you know what I mean? All those people were older than I was anyway. So it felt like it was a younger, uh, dare I say it started to get hungrier coming up soon. You know what I mean? 
as we continue, yeah, I do. And as we continue talking about that time in WCW before making the official jump, let's take a quick break, find out how our listeners can save with Conrad, and then once they refinance or get their mortgage, they can hit up bluechew.com, promo code DOG for a free sample, and then they can christen their new house in sensual <sighs> style. We'll oh, be back. you didn't know? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. We're back, and this is. Hey, I also had a, I also had a Paul Orndorff story. I didn't sneak in. <laughs> well, let's talk, Mister Wonderful. Let's this get is a in quick there. one. This is a quick one. He, uh, we were working with him in, in Roma on a dark match. Uh, we did that a lot with people. Um, worked on a dark match, and Paul Orndorff. I, I, he worked down here with my dad. I went to school uh, for a short period of time with his son, uh, and so. I knew him. He knew me. We knew each other. He shot me into the ropes. He hit the other side and came and hit me with a forearm that knocked me into the middle of next week. I don't remember what happened for the rest of the match. I don't. Uh, and and literally, I think it was his way of saying, this is how we do it, kid. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to? Because I think my dad would do the same thing. I feel like my dad would have done the same exact thing to somebody, like just get their attention and go like, okay, welcome to the bigs, boy. You know what I mean? Or something. So, But he knocked me in the next week. What were we talking about before I interrupted you with the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff talk? Well, that was the old school toughness test. And I'm just getting into these final months of WCW before we get to the real topic at hand. So let's go to this WCW time in the TV matches. What were you, you going to ask something? Gra- Grandpa. Says Grandpa. There you go. The love, the heart, the soul, the memories, the good times. Grandpa. All right. Sometimes in WCW, you were teaming with your brothers, including a dark match at the Fall Brawl pay-per-view in September from Roanoke, Virginia, where you and Brad defeated Bad Attitude, that's Steve Kern and Bobby Eaton. Did any type of contract talk or deal come up, or were they pretty firm on just the freelance weekly appearance? Well, I think they were fine with that. Look, Brad was getting like 1500 a week, and, and he was only on TV every now and then, you know. Uh, he went like four years one time without be going to TV at all and still kept collecting that money every week. Um, but but they were getting Brad for 15 me and Scotty for 350 a week or whatever, and so it was, why, why ask? You know what I mean? Like, why? You're getting the milk for free. Why, uh, why buy the cow? So you're also in these matches and on the losing end of guys like Vader, Arn Anderson, Booker T, Bunkhouse Buck. We've heard stories in a previous episode of you working with Vader, but how about something interesting about working with the Enforcer? Talk to me about Double A. Yeah, no, look, Double A is smooth as silk, man. He's as good in the ring as he is on the mic, and and that's that's never changed. He's not 
snug. He works light as a feather. Uh, his stuff always looked good because he puts a little snap on everything, which is extra oomph, and it's just, it looks like, it looks great. All of his stuff looks great. None of it hurts you. It's like, this is how it should be done. You know what I mean? I see people nowadays on there kicking the crap out of each other. I'm thinking, wow, uh, your, your pay's not going up none. <laughs> you alluded to some stories in the learning experiences and time you had wrestling with Booker. Give me, give me another Booker story, if you don't mind. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Uh, so we look, we hung out with Booker a lot, uh, to be quite honest with you. And, and we did, had uh, bass tournaments at the back of uh, in the back of the hotels in uh, Orlando. There was little ponds and we would go out there and fish because we'd be in Orlando for like 10 days sometimes. And so we'd have tournaments to see who catch the biggest fish. But Booker T's friend of the Armstrongs, man. And, and I'm proud to say that because he's helped me out a lot in my career for real. Uh, it really you know, when I was at really formidable time or for, I don't know what word I'm trying to use. I'm too dumb to use big words, but I'm trying to. And it just comes out like that, Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. <laughs> hey, jazz hands. Your final live appearance is on the Clash of Champions from Jacksonville, Florida, November 16th, 1994, where you and Brad get beaten down by Kevin Sullivan, Avalanche, and the butcher, Prudus Beefcake, who you can yeah. also see on Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do it, All right. do it. Following their match with Hogan, Sting, and Dave Sullivan. Uh, were, were you guys trying to make the save for the faces? What do you remember going on? So, so, so to be quite honest, I don't remember this at all. And it was the <laughs> one thing we didn't have a clip of. And so I thought... <laughs> Ooh, let the dogs out. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the that, No, this was actually because I just don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. It might be because of the chair shots and bong resin, but I hadn't taken that many chair shots yet. Bong resin it is. Uh, I just don't remember this. I don't remember if we hit the ring. If we did, I don't. Maybe we were just the first wave. You know what I mean? Usually you send some people in to make the save. The heels beat those people down. I'm thinking we were those people in that scenario. But I don't remember if it was in the ring or backstage. Because I don't, I don't know what they would have gotten out of. Surely some bigger baby faces came out after me and ran them off or something. You know what I mean? Were you around Hulk much in this period? Did you have any interaction? I, no, I wasn't. I, the, when I really, look, I was around him and we, we knew each other. And he actually talked about my father a lot. He really respected my father and talked about his arms a lot. And so that was immediate, a connection with us. You know what I mean? Um, so I didn't know him that great, but I met him and got to know him in TNA uh, right before I got fired from there too. That, this seems to be a trend. All right, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of what we want to talk Yummy. about. Yummy, I'm hungry. So at this point, have you been having discussions with anyone at WWF since the tryout back in August? No, not until they called me and offered me a, a deal. So then who called you and made that and made that a reality? Uh, it was JJ at the time. Yeah, cool. JJ Dillon. Uh, he was the, he was the heater. Uh, so so he did he he took all the heat and and got all the work done. Um but yeah, so they called me, dude. They offered me uh, five years for a hundred grand a year, and all I saw was half a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I quit about eight months in. But then the next time, they, they, the contracts work in a way where that was my guaranteed minimum. You know what I mean? And so whether I did anything or not, look, 
at this point, I had been making three fifty a week and uh, and doing some indie shows on the weekend for a hundred dollars or fifty dollars or whatever, a uh, hundred if my dad was on the show with me. <laughs> but so, uh, but you know, so so I just I forgot what we were talking about again. Hit that yeah, bone resin. I'm, I'm not gonna glorify it, but it, 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 it's, <laughs> see, there's like the shot, and then the dogs bark, and then we. Oh, go. okay, <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Thank you. So I don't want to glorify it, but I'm absolutely <laughs> curious. When the money went up, what was the substance of choice for the dog? It was always it was all looking. I don't want to glorify it either, but it was always downers. Like I, I I did stuff that took me up, but that wasn't my thing. I like to go down, and what it was was I was scared. I was had anxiety. I had uh, depression. I had so I wanted to find oblivion. So I would take downers until I was out of it. You know what I mean? And so literally should have died a hundred times, and that's not even hyperbole. Um, Somebody upstairs wants to keep me alive, so I'm gonna do the best I can for the rest of my time here on Earth. Uh, but yeah, it was it was downers, pain pills, the somas that they talk a lot about, uh, Xanax, you know, uh, marijuana. It was all, all those things. And again, it was because I was scared. All of my all of my stuff was fear based. It was all about fear of responsibility, fear of uh, rejection, fear of all these things. Um, and fear's not real. You know what I mean? It's made up inside your head and only in there does it live. And if I can, if I'm conscious of that, I might can navigate that and talk myself down off that ledge I put myself on. Sorry, I had to rant there a little bit, but that kind of stuff interests me and I love to talk about it. It's the real deal that people yeah. want to hear and know Thank about. You. So at the same time of you getting this contract offer and everything coming into play, Jeff Jarrett's in the WWF doing the country music singer gimmick. What was your relationship like with Jeff at this time? Never met him before in my life. Never, never met him before that. Uh, didn't even meet him that night in Lowell. Met him after that. I think the next town was uh, Poughkeepsie or something like that. We'll, we'll so, get there in a minute. <laughs> so family, family reputation. Got There's got to be talk. So what yeah, do you think yeah, yeah, of yeah. him I, going I, I knew my father worked for his father. Mm -hmm. I knew my father worked with his father. I knew my brothers worked for him in Memphis. I knew... I knew who Jeff Jarrett was for dang sure. I just didn't never meet him before. And so this... But, but honestly, when we met, it was... It was second generation Southern wrestler dude same dude except, except he's got a great business acumen and i'm just a friggin idiot <laughs> all right so now the contract I can be an entertaining idiot at times though very much so i don't want to just beat myself up all the time <laughs> so the contract offers on the table talk us through the creative process and the character so you talked about being able to sing and in, in, in the acoustic audition so to speak uh they were putting this together in their minds. And as, as my experience in WWE tells me, things take a little bit of time there. You want it to happen quick, but good eyes, uh, good ideas yeah. tend to take, if you want it to be a three-month plan, it may take six to nine months for it to come to fruition. If it's meant to be about six, it may take that year. It happens, but it just doesn't always happen on that timetable. Do you think they were working on it? Yeah. No, I look, I think I don't remember whose idea it was. And I'm thinking Bruce just because it feels like his idea to, to give the guy a roadie. Um, so I don't know if they had that plan, but once one, and we're going to get into this a little bit too. Once, once I had that spot on raw with Shatner after that, everything picked up, excuse me. Mm, I'm sorry. I had Taco Indi Bell. Indigestion. <laughs> 
Taco Bell. Never had right. it so good. I don't know what the friggin' jingle is. Sorry. Run for the board. Uh, yeah, yeah, run, run for the crapper. Hey, so um, where were we at? We're, we're talking about the character coming to Bing, creation. Bing, bang, boom. Uh, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, idea yeah. at that point. So, so w- once I had that thing, like it, they, they said, okay, well, just sit out there and watch, you know, watch uh, the cable pullers. Sit out there and watch the guys that set up the the building during the day, you know what I mean? And so I went out there in the day and sat in the stands for two hours and just watched everybody. And I said, okay, I went back and I said, okay, I need a, like a, a waist belt, like almost like a bat belt. You know what I mean? I need a walkie talkie on it. I need a mag light on it. I need everything. The guy screwdriver, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Swiss army knife, all, all kind of everything I needed. And then I need some, uh, a lanyard with some credentials, um, maybe a sticker that a lot of people have as like a sticker of the show. You know what I mean? And I was, so I was like, okay. And they all wear black. And so I knew I had some jeans and a black sweatshirt. And so I put a black bandana on and did the thing. And that's one of the clips we'll probably watch here. But yeah, I just sat out there and watched what the people who really put it together did. Now, look, that's what it started out as. You saw how quickly it morphed into like me wearing black jeans with double J's on the ass and me, you know what I mean? All of a sudden it got commercialized because now it's, now it's a part of the package. At first it just broke in with who is this guy? You know what I mean? Now I had to get commercialized like the Baconator. Remember when the Baconator first came out and it was stinking delicious and now it's all commercial and it just stinks now. Anyway, yeah, blue chew. Yeah. What happened? Did you meet with Vince to discuss the gimmick, or was it all a Bruce thing at that point? No, at that point it was all creative, because I was definitely low down on the totem pole. I wasn't exactly sitting with Vince and talking to him. Um, But that's not to say, had I been a savvy businessman, or have I... Uh, you know, been smart to the to the way of the ways of the world, uh, other than the military at all, I would have probably asked, hey, I'd, I'd like to sit with him and talk with him for a minute. You know what I mean? And get to know him. But I, his guys got what they needed out of me, so he didn't have to. You know what I mean? And it wasn't because his, of, you know, he has 100 guys he needs to talk to and take care of. If, if uh, you know, his producers or his office guys can take care of some of that stuff uh, before it gets to him, the CEO probably would appreciate the time, you know? So yeah, I never, I didn't meet with him uh, that at, that early. When, when was the first meeting that you did have with Vince? Um, Probably uh, right after the William Shatner stuff. Like we, we, we had a sit down talk. Uh, Sean had uh, Vince McMahon. But you don't you want to watch the William Shatner stuff? Are we there yet? Yeah, we, we can go up to that. Let's go, go ahead that. and let's go ahead and do that because I'm telling the story. So you know what I mean? I hate to uh I hate to tell the story and then it shows. But but look what it was was and, and I'll tell tell one story while we're getting it up there. Before the we we rehearsed this several times. Um and William Shatner um kept kept screwing it up every time we walk through it he kept screwing it up and i said no sir hit me with the forearm i'll fall down i'll stand up run my head into the turnbuckle and he was he kept going straight to shit canning me over the top rope and i don't mean to say s can um maybe we can beep that out with a guard good dog bark or something um but threw me out of the ring uh, and so we actually got into like a little argument <laughs> over it in Vince's office and Vince had to like shut us down and but I was right I knew, I knew the spot I was a young kid in this business I I wasn't gonna mess this spot up for nothing um 
Oh, well, this, I'm sorry, this is the wrong clip. This is the wrong but, match, yeah, this is the Davy Boy match. But that's gonna... all right, you want to stay here? Yeah, we, we can stay. We can... Yeah, let's stay, let's stay here. This was, look, this was the city that I sat in before the crowd came and watched, uh, watched them set up the building. And this was, what a great spot. Look, this is just old school wrestling, too. And let's turn up the audio, and I'm going to sit this out a little bit, because this is Sean and Vince talking about. Is he talking to Double J? Is he like a fan? He just said, come on, Double J. Actually, I thought he was uh, one of the cable pullers earlier on. (laughs) You're a cable puller. But apparently he is in the corner of Double J. Maybe he's a cameraman that's just a big fan of Double J. (laughs) You think? I don't think so. I'm not too sure Double J This is the the first time I was on TV. He's a bodyguard of some kind because, I mean, Double J was embarrassed at the Survivor Series. Look at this. Leap frog by Double J. The British Bulldog. Leap frog. Leap frog and oh, trouble for Double J. Vertical suplex. I know where you're going with this bodyguard thing. Double J goes out. Bulldog holds Jeff up. Holding him up still. There they go. Bam. See, that used to get a pop. Uh, little FaceTime. You get over there on the floor. See there, camera will find you. I love it. The arms are out in crowd control. <laughs> oh yeah, because mode. I can't. They can't touch the superstar that is Jeff Jarrett. You know what I mean? Like get back, back. And so that's what I'm doing. And uh, I love at the end of this, Sean's like, it looks like he's got a back problem. I just walk like this the whole time because I'm bigger than Jeff. You know what I mean? That's just a fact. It's not, uh, you know, he's in a ton better shape than me, but I'm just bigger than him. So I had to s- squat down to make him be the focal point. You know what I mean? And then just the whole package of everything because Jeff's outfit was so unique and outside oh, the yeah. box compared to what anyone else was wearing at the time. That's what I look. That's smart of him, right? He's different. He just, what is everybody else doing? I'm going to do something different. I don't even know where I got those sunglasses at. <laughs> so you actually, in that clip, looked like a guy that was a, he, this gangster kid that was in my driver's ed class when I was 15 in Libertyville, Illinois. Libertyville, Illinois. Do you remember that guy's name? I don't, but I just remember I was this scrawny kid, and I was like, this dude's gangster, and I'm a little scared. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, – so, so, look, this was my first time ever on TV, and they – I think Davey Boy – was Davey the Intercontinental Champion here? Oh, I, I actually don't remember. Exactly. I don't I remember that either, better. but – but, but uh, like they used me in the finish of the match, you know what I mean? And they and they counted on that for for me to get the timing right and for me to be there to hook his leg so he didn't have to stand there too long. And look, he still stood there a little long, but I think he was just making sure I was there. You know what I mean? Because here he kicks the one leg up and I'm there for the other one. And it's like, wait a minute. What? Wait. And the count out victory. The count out victory on TV. But what a great finish to establish me it didn't really doesn't really matter nothing happened Davy boy didn't get pinned you know what i mean it's like a great finish to establish this guy turn that uh, audio back up i can't believe it. how could he do that he's right there plus the guy looks like he's got a bad back <laughs> look at this double j jeff jared yeah this is the first victory. time i was actually Over with him and look if you watch the wall oh man i wanted you to continue to play it play it just a little more oh man no I, my walk i i did the walk like uh like the patterson film of the bigfoot <laughs> that's what i that's what i modeled my my walk after 
So I was going to ask that if there was any right, type of studying here. that you've done to, to prepare yourself for this, you know, for this role. So no, no, I mean that look, dude, that was it. And then it was all about, okay, I got the gear. I got the I'm sorry. I'm looking down at my computer. I'm supposed to be looking up here. Uh, I, I got the gear. I, I don't know how to wrestle, but I'm going to be there for everything I'm supposed to be there for. I'm going to pop up at the right time. I'm going to do, you know, and, and I, I think I did that. And, and so the William Shatner thing was that that was a good spot there. That was a great spot. That, but the William Shatner thing, when we watched that, we we'll come get back to that from, in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. A little I'm, later, so we can get back on uh, on a little chronology. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Chronological. Absolutely. Uh, was there any other gimmicks or ideas for you, or was it just the roadie? Like, were they? Were they teetering between two or this was, hey, we got this one for you? No, 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 no. This was, it was the roadie and I was Jeff Jarrett's roadie. And to be quite honest, dude, as you saw the transformation and I don't know if, you know, people want to notice, see it, they can go back in time and watch like that video, what I was wearing. And then later on, we're on pay-per-view and I've got this outfit on, you know what I mean? And that's, that evolved and that was me. That wasn't anybody saying that's what a lot of people today don't understand. Uh, yeah, there it is. So I got the hat says roadie on it. I got a shirt says, ain't we great tour. I got double J Jeff Jarrett down the sleeves. I got Jeff Jarrett wristbands. I got JJ on my black pants. You know what I mean? So it's totally, I'm totally in now I'm committed. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask and you that what was your totally first impressions me. Like they were. didn't, you know, a lot of people so I'm sorry. I wanted to get that in. It was yeah. a lot of people say, uh, Oh, WWE made him wear this. WWE made him wear that. WWE don't ever make nobody wear nothing. <laughs> it's a, it's always a collaboration, and and that was not a collaboration at all. It was me and Terry uh, at the time, the seamstress that, that did all my stuff, mm-hmm. just talking and making stuff, and she was really good. And so it was all looked really cool. I was going to ask your first impression of the gimmick itself, but I can see the enthusiasm. And yeah, I, dude, and I loved it. It was it was the. It was so great because look, and I, I, one thing we don't show on here because I don't know it was ever televised, but me and uh, or Jeff and Sean with me on the outside and Razor versus Razor and Diesel, and we did that match all around. And to this day, all five of us say like that was one of the best matches we've ever been a part of. You know what I mean? Like it's it was just that magic, and we did it so many times that everything was perfect. And look, I I played a role, not a very big role, but I was there when they put that match together and I was all ears. And so I'm hearing Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall, who Scott Hall was a genius at old school television wrestling. And I'm talking about a genius and and I'm not not saying that lightly. Um he was, and so to be able to sit in on that, Shawn Michaels, uh, Kevin, even to that point, was had more experience than I did, that's for dang sure, and Jeff, and hear that and sit in there and go, hey, what if I popped up right there? Or they tell me, you pop up right there. You know what I mean? And so I got to, man, it was such a great gimmick. I, uh, only I screwed it up. <laughs> There's that trend. There's that trend again. The signing of the contract, the development of the character, your first appearance on TV. I'm assuming you consulted with your brothers and your father during all this coming together. Uh, what did they think and what advice or guidance did they offer? To be quite honest with you, I didn't consult with them much. Like I would definitely call them and say, hey, I just got a job with WWE. <laughs> the only time my dad ever really said anything was about the time I told them they wanted. And this was not long after this. Or no, 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 no. It was when I went back as the real Double J. And uh, I said, they want me to do a job. Uh, and he got hot at me and, and said, you got a job, don't you? And I'll never forget that. I say that a lot because I'll never forget it. It's, it's, 
It's phony baloney wrestling. Do I love it? With all my heart and then some because I've sacrificed everything for it. Uh, every birthday, every child's birthday. Uh, so do I love it? Heck yeah. But at the end of the day, it's... It's, I'm a human being too, you know what I mean? <laughs> so so uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I just wanted you guys to know I'm a human being. You know what I mean? I got feelings Dog, and stuff. On my world with Jeff Jarrett, Jeff said the plan was always for you to sing for him and then that would be the catalyst for your breakup. Is that how you remember it? Yeah. Yeah, That's look, that's exactly how it went. And that was uh, that night, and I don't know uh, – what changed but that night in in your house in 95 i was i was we me and jeff were supposed to stand up he was going to shove me on my butt and dog me dog me dog me i was going to get up spin him around and drop it with a punch and then oh my god it's over but then the following week or the following pay-per-view was going to be me and jeff and Shawn michaels in a triple threat for the intercontinental title the biggest match of my eight months career and i quit <laughs> So, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know it all got handed to me so fast. I didn't, I wasn't appreciative of it. I didn't respect where I was at and what I was doing. Um, and I was high, you know what I mean? And so, Hey, you know what happens? You know what you do when something bad happens? You get high. You know what you do when something good happens? You get high. That was my life. Um, I don't know why it always goes back to that. And I apologize, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, that was it. I was supposed to turn on him or, or you know what I mean? We break up and that was going to be it. And so I don't know. I don't know what, what else was supposed to happen. And look, I, I may not even remember that correctly, but that's what I remember. And I remember leaning over Jeff in that pay-per-view and going, Hey dude, I'm doing whatever you're doing. And he goes, you don't have to do this, Brian. You don't have to do this. And I said, I'm with you, Jeff. And look, it's obviously the path I was supposed to take in retrospect I would have stayed on the current path. Uh, even if Jeff would have left, I would have stayed and I would have still been utilized in a decent way. We would have figured something out. They obviously uh, had some interest in me and, and using me in a, in a decent position. Uh, and I, again, screwed that up. Young, high, and so much going on. It's got to be hard to keep all those memories in order. <laughs> And for some people, it's really hard to stay really hard. And that's Ooh. okay, dog, because that's where Ooh. Blue Chew comes in handy. Hit the music. Blue Chew is a <laughs> unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. He said arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office? No Awkward conversations. And no waiting in line at the pharmacy. I hate that part. Ugh! Horrible! Blue Juice tablets are made in the USA and prepared to ship direct USA. to your door in a discreet package. Speaking Wait. of packages, 
Sorry. And speaking of packages with Blue Chew, <laughs> men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package, your package has, has arrived. Derek Carey here. Blue they Chew. always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Lasting. It's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head, head to BlueChew.com. Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code DOG at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code DOG to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew.com and Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Promo code DOG. D-O-double-G. Oh my God, that made me sweat. If I smoked, I would have a cigarette right now. I, I feel like that might have been our best ad read. Yeah, yet. it was a good one. It was. A, I'm gonna tell you this much, Cassie. It was a good one. <laughs> oh man, let's see if well, it, it was actually, good for me anyway. I mean, it should be good for a lot of people, especially <laughs> in a few days when that package arrives. Oh, talk about arriving! All right, we're back, and it's all coming together. You make your first official appearance as part of the WWF on November 28th, and we got to watch that match. I mean, what a huge moment for you. And then to have Vince and Sean on commentary, where Sean's looking like 10 million bucks in that outfit <laughs> of course. Out there. This was everything really coming together in the extravagance of WWE at a, at a very big spectacle phase of things, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it, it was. The time, look, timing is everything in in every industry. I'm sorry, I'm got my TD Jake's towel. Um, timing is everything. So so hmm, that Taco Bell. <laughs> I didn't even up. eat Taco Bell. Like I've been craving it because they brought the pizza back. Like, oh, oh crap! Yeah. I used that. That used to be my item. Back it was college. mine too, and then they pizza, took it away. Absolutely. They just brought it back. Thank you, Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing, Ryan. I'm just going to now go off on a tangent because when I made tacos last week, I'm using a new fava bean product as my meat substitute. So I'm making tacos out of fava beans as if I'm like Hannibal Lecter Hannibal and drinking Lecter. it with some Chianti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but Ryan, you're a, a vegan, so you that's all. You don't eat any, any meat in the just tacos. Just another reason for some of the people listening to hate me. Hey, well, <laughs> look, that's on them, Ryan. That's on them. You're doing the right thing. Um, we were talking about something. Wrestling. We're talking about the roadie because this all mm. came together. So were there any other names considered besides the roadie? Yeah, no. No, it was the roadie. And then as we went along, Jeff started calling me the old road dog. The old road dog, you know what I mean? Because, look, we listened to we all listened to Snoop and Dre and everything in 93 and, you know, 94. Uh, so... He started calling me the old road dog, and then then I took it to the D. I just stole it from Snoop, I guess, and said D O double G, and and it went from there. But yeah, no, that was always going to be the name, and I was it was always the plan to sing for him. Then we split up. Then we work an angle with each other. Then we, you know the same old thing. You mentioned before that first appearance, you got a chance to kind of watch the crew members and observe and and, and put this all together for yourself. The sticker, the lanyard, the, the the all these things that you were talking about. Was this multiple shows of watching or was this really like 
This no, it was two hours. Yeah, it was two hours. I sat in the crowd before the crowd came in. I sat in the in the building and watched everybody. And that was. And I literally went down there and said, "I need this, 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 and this." What they couldn't get me just from people. They went into the store and bought me uh, the jeans. They bought me the the. Uh, I had the black sweatshirt. I think they bought bandanas and you know what I mean. Like it was just. They, and again, after the William Shatner thing, well, this William Shatner crap better be good. I keep... <laughs> We're going to get to that. It's a big tease. What was the feedback when you came through the curtain on that first appearance? On that one there, it was great. Uh, yeah, but 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 look, I also didn't do anything. You know what I mean? That but, was, but that, you that, did, that was... because it was the development of planting seeds, and you still had the presence to quote, as JR would say, maximize your moments. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, and, look, and, that, like... that's what I was going to do from the get-go, and I don't know if that's – uh, n- nobody taught me that or nobody told me to do that. But but no matter what, I'm going to get over when I go out there and I'm going to do. I'm going to get over. I'm going to die trying. You know what I mean? And, and, and metaphorically speaking, die trying. But but I'm not going to go unnoticed when I go through those curtains. I'm not going to go uh, you're, you're not going to be able to, de- to deny me, even if I'm not the best athlete, even if I'm not the best wrestler. I'm going to do something out there that makes you go, remember that skinny fat dude that did the such and such? Like that was my goal every single time. And so so I don't know if I did stuff good out there. I just did it how I thought I should do it, and it, it was right. And so my timing, like you said, I did show my timing. Um, now I sound braggadocious, like I, I need to beat myself up some. But, but I did show my timing. I got good timing. I know spots. I know where to be and when to be there. Um and that's about all I had at that point. Uh, again, <laughs> that damn William Shatner. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still one clip away from that one, dog. I know, but my battery's dying. <laughs> so we're, oh, we're going to bring it back to Poughkeepsie this time on December 17th. You and Jeff appear on the Heartbreak Hotel segment, and Jeff basically explains to us who you are to the audience. Let's uh, We'll bring the audio up and take a listen. Glasses, he's just like a walking Christmas display. <laughs> Who's that, uh, that uh, fellow we saw before out there with him? You're that fella. I, this that's his roadie. His roadie huh? See, that's how you do it. You know, all big music stars have roadies. And it's there, and there it is. That's how easy it is. You know what I mean? You know what people did not do? Go, oh my God, he was Brian Armstrong at WCW. <laughs> But see, they're just shooting me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's they, they were taking care of me, man. It was, it felt really, it felt really good. And I brought you a little gift, baby. I brought you a little gift. I don't believe it. The CD. Hold of these things anywhere. Double J, Jeff J. Glasses. Oh, it was the best. He's a rhinestone cowboy. You know what I mean? Funny story, Are they the rhinestones, first... or did he li- like yeah, lose yeah. a lot of buttons off his yeah, shirt and bedazz- sew them onto his glasses? It's bedazzled. It's bedazzled. Here's what Sean. I like it. You got the headphones on. Let's just put it this way. I was listening to Jeff Jarrett saying. Great entertainers. You got to have your personal roadie out there. I mean, you know, when you get hot out there, he'll come up, pat me down. You know, uh, if Double J needs a cold beverage, he's right there with. Oh, and I I know there's nothing like a cold beverage after a hard match. I thought he wanted a cold beverage. You see that? That's commitment, right? That was my favorite part of the clip. You with the water bottle, and then disappointed when he didn't take it. Oh, I thought he wanted a drink. I don't know, and I don't care. Call him what? 
whatever you want. All right, well, we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll call him Rhodey. Right? There it is. So in a sense, he's sort of like just a gopher. He goes for this, he goes for that. I know, because I used to have one of those. He'd go for this, he'd go for that. Then he went for the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> Championship, which should rightfully be mine. But that's another story. Great hotel. I think I'm going to write a song about this. You know what? I think that's I think already I may been sing done. Right here on the <laughs> this is here heat. This is all good old-fashioned heat. I'm going to sing right now. Oh, look, I want him to sing. Man, he's so good, you know? Until next time, this is the Heartbreak Kid saying I am Shawn Michaels and you're not. Oh, yeah, Double J. Did you see him last week at the Billboard Music Awards? Wait till you hear his Christmas. Yeah, you're laughing. I love it. I just love it, you know? I love that part of my career. I just wish I had thrown it away. How integral was Jeff coming up with ideas for your gimmick? Uh, very integral. Like he, look, Jeff. Jeff had a lot more experience than I did too, working with a lot of people that that had a ton of experience, and so so he he was very uh, influential uh, in in the gear, in the uh, the spots that you know what I mean. Like, hey, excuse me, stay here, go there. So so he was. Very in, yeah, yeah. Sure, an education of of your role. As the influence grows and, and you're getting more appearances, does the creative team exposure grow? Is, are you still working with only one person or are more and more people getting involved with your guys' act? So, so to be quite honest with you, I didn't have a whole uh, lot of time with the creative team at this, at this point. I didn't really know that there was such a thing. Right. I just knew they told told us what to do and we went out there and did it the best we could. And so I really didn't, I don't think I knew one person on the writing team other than Bruce, uh, Bruce Pritchard on the creative team. Um, and I don't know, maybe they didn't have the same amount mm -hmm. of people there at the time that, that they have now and that they had later when I came back. Um, but yeah, I don't remember anybody on creative. At this time, at this point, I was really very young and I would say, uh, Jeff would just tell me what to do and I would do it to the best of my ability, <laughs> you know? And so look, Jeff's always been there for me. I, and I appreciate that. So it's interesting to note. And it's a fun fact that WCW continued to air your previously taped match, uh, matches as this was still the era they were taping at uh, Disney MGM in Orlando, sometimes three months in advance. And your final appearance on television is on the January 14th, 1995 episode of Worldwide losing to Lord Steven Regal. But it was taped back on October 31st. In today's era of wrestling, that would be kind of crazy to still feature you over six weeks after defecting to the competition. Yeah, or, look, or like I said, that... I was the first one to jump ship. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> the, no. the, the game changer and disruptor of the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was definitely me. The guy who wasn't even under contract. Um, but no, it was... Uh, what was your question again? Jesus, I'm on fire tonight, aren't I? So do you feel that, it, that does WCW feel it devalues you? Oh, oh, and, no, and no, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, I got at that it. Point? I actually think it, look, that's why everybody beats people on the way out. Mm -hmm. If you could beat them while they're at the other place, why not? And look, that's how we, look, we even looked at that sometimes when we were working on the draft and, and people we knew that were going to, an, to another show. Like, hey, can we beat him on the way out? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just kind of business, you know? Uh, it used to be in a territory and they'd beat you on the way out. 
now it's a television show. We got to beat you on the way out because we're keeping such and such. We want him to look strong. And so, yeah, I don't think it was any sweat off anybody's back. You know what I mean? Like I was the roadie. I didn't even look like, I mean, I guess I look like, you know, people knew who I was for people who knew wrestling, but for the casual viewer, which there were, there's still them at the time. Uh, they didn't know I was Brian Armstrong. You know what I mean? They don't, I did a job once every two weeks on television on the other channel. So they didn't know, you know. Did your brothers get any sort of heat or ribbing in WCW that you know of for you showing up on WWF TV in this gimmick? No, no. Look, I think that's a big thing, too. I'm sure it's very competitive uh, and was very competitive. But at the same time, like you're we're all kind of brothers in arms here. If you're if you go somewhere and you're going to get an opportunity, that's cool. And everybody's kind of happy for you. Now, look, you got people, but you got people like this everywhere that want to throw rocks at you when you get on top of the mountain. Um, that's just that's just human nature, I think. And, but most people are happy for you. And so I think even all the people at WCW are like, oh, cool, he got an opportunity. You're young and having fun. What was being on the road with the WWF like? Well, so I wasn't on the road yet. So far, okay. I'm just doing televisions. Uh, if you'd get to that damn William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even like Star Trek. It's coming up. It's coming up. We got it. So, so you weren't right, and we're going to get back to this. So here we go. Let's jump into it. Your first big angle takes place on Raw, January 16th, 1995, when you're in Jeff's corner for his match against Bret Hart, who has William Shatner in his corner. What do you remember of Shatner, and how was he to deal with? Oh, wait, 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 wait. We're not there yet for the... Let's, we're jumping the gum. We were so excited. <laughs> but remember, Blue Chew doesn't help with premature. It just helps oh, with getting the... Oh, it helps with so your let's, endurance, let's your stamina. It, let's take it back. What, what do you remember of working with him? So, so look, it was... We did get into a little altercation, a verbal altercation in, in Vince's office. Um, I think, in all honesty, that he had been drinking. Uh, if I were him... Well, look, I had been doing a bunch of things, too, just not drinking. Uh, and so we did get into that little altercation. But once we were out there, it literally like he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, and it and it worked perfectly. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting day because there's William Shatner, a Captain Kirk. Uh, and I, I gave him the nickname Whiskey Nose Willie after that. Uh, but that it probably won't stick. Whatever you do, don't hashtag Whiskey Nose Willie. Um, but but yeah, we, we, look, we had a great time. And once we once we uh, got in there, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. So now let's roll that film. Roll that film. Double roll up. Oh, he heart gets it. So Three count. so so right now I'm supposed to be going to Brett, but he's not in the ring yet. So I'm just waiting waiting for him to step through the ropes because I know he can't beat me to Brett if he's not in the ring yet. So, okay, bump. I bumped good for you, mister. William Shatner hit me with a big forearm. And Don goes up to the top. <laughs> misses a splash. I miss a splash off the High top. cross body. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was going to do, tell you the truth. I just hoped he moved because if he didn't, I was going to squish him. Oh. Um, so the first one was a little awkward. Then we catch our groove a little bit. I'm, I'm assuming he had a good grip on the uh, on, Oh, yeah. On the he, was pulling my, he was pulling my freaking braids out. Um, but now he goes. And you know, if anyone <laughs> who wants to know about pulling hair properly and safely, go into the scalp. Yeah. 
So he threw me over the top rope by my, like he Irish whipped me over the top rope. <laughs> um, but then I did the old Terry Funk and stood up and swung and fell down. And so this, this went so well that literally when I got to the back after this one, Shawn Michaels and uh, Vince McMahon are standing there. And Shawn said, I told you. And he goes, okay. Uh, and he we got Bruno over there. We went and got me a suitcase. We went and bought me clothes. And I start. I went on the road. The next day was my first day on the road where I got airline tickets. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but here I went on the road with the WWF at the time. Beginning um, of the journey. It, man, the beginning of the end almost. But, but uh, it was really fun, man. A really good time. So when that started, were you riding with Jeff or other people as well? No, I was riding with Jeff. I was riding with Jeff for the most part. Um, and that's, we got to know each other really well then because we literally lived together. We roomed together. We, you know what I mean? We did everything together. Um, but not what you're thinking, Ryan. Get your mind out of the gutter. We did everything but that. I mean, we were, it was cold one time and man talk. I don't know, sure. I mean, sometimes you got to generate heat. Yeah. Hey, it was cold enough. <laughs> I yeah. learned about cold weather training in the military. Getting to work with Shatner, who is a huge megastar, had to be a Goliath accomplishment. And speaking of Goliath, let's take a break to hear from our sponsor, Goliath Insurance. And if you're in the mood to feel Goliath, you should also head on over to BlueChew.com and use <laughs> promo code DOG for a free supply to try. Just pay $5 shipping and handling. We'll be back. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. All right, we're back. And as all this is going on, were you happy being used as the second in the beginning and not actually wrestling? Did this help you actually get your footing and just get comfortable? Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. Like, I loved being the second because I also, again, this is the guy who's very afraid of everything. I didn't have uh, much responsibility. So it was it was me getting to learn having fun instead of learning like hyper focused to make sure I did the right thing. I, my timing and everything, I knew where to be and when to be there like I covered before. But this was uh, an opportunity to really learn from some guys and uh, have a great time doing it. Man, we had a blast during this time. Knowing there's long-term plans, do you ever get itchy to get matches or you just have the patience to see it play out and however long it takes, it takes? Yeah. Look, look at this point in my career, honest, I had no idea what the process was. I didn't know if Vince made the matches. I didn't know if, you know what I mean? It, every Look, I knew when I got there and we got with Jeff, we were on every week. And so I didn't have to worry about nothing. You know what I mean? We're on every week building to pay-per-views. Like, holy mackerel, this is happening to me. And again, very little responsibility, so I could, I could love it more. I could almost just do it for the love of it. You know what I mean? Like I was young and hungry and wanting to do this, and I was getting the opportunity on a grand scale. While I was not uh, fully comprehending the gravity of the situation or the scenario that I was in professionally, uh, but 
Looking back on it, man, what a cool, cool time. And talking about pay-per-views, your next big moments at the Royal Rumble 1995 where you helped Jeff get the win and the Intercontinental title over Razor Ramon Scott Hall. Dog, first off, what can you tell us about your experiences with Scott Hall? Yeah, look, I touched on it before. Scott, Scott was friends with my brother Steve in Japan. He had met my brother Brad uh, and my father, um, but he did, you know, he wasn't great friends with him, but he was good friends with my brother Steve. And so when I got there, and look, I also got there and started working right away with Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and X-Pac and Jeff Jarrett and you know what I mean? The the kind of the upper echelon uh, of people that were there at the time. So it was, so I got right in there with them and that, that helped me a great deal, but I still had no clue what I was doing. I was just around some great people and trying to take what I need and leave the rest and then do my best out there every week. It's a huge moment in your career. I'm sorry, we were talking about Scott Hall. I'm sorry. I touched on it briefly and then I rambled. I did the old DC dip and twirl. Uh, but, but Scott, look, Scott will be missed. Scott was a great guy. Razor Ramon is one of the best characters. It's right up there, think about it, with uh, Stinking Kane or Undertaker, like Razor Ramon was one of the cool, it was at the end of that character era, but it was one of the cool ones. You know, they didn't Duke the Dumpster, the real Double J, some of us the goon, some of us didn't quite catch on, but that that did. And, and what a superstar he was, and what a, a career he had, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'll miss Scott 100% because Man, we had some great times together. Of course, we had some times that weren't so great together also, but that builds a relationship, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm going to have to dig and press to me about one of these conflicting times. We got a little, a little bit. I, I mean, you brought it up. I got to get into it. As, yeah. as, as everyone is a Scott Hall fan. I think that's the, the biggest interesting thing is every wrestling fan, I think, every single one. Maybe that's maybe there's two that aren't. But, like, yeah. everyone loves Scott Hall. That guy just transcended what it was to be cool. Yeah, he, he, he was cool, right? That was the whole thing. And he always said, like, I try to sell like a man. He said, I used to watch your brother, Steve. He sold like a man. And I never really knew what he was talking about, but it was like, you know, he's not, he sell, he, may, he makes you chop him down. He goes down, but still grabbing at you. Like he's, he's fighting you the whole time. You know what I mean? And so I, look, I learned a ton from Scott Hall. Uh, most of them unwritten rules about the industry that just kind of exist. And they don't, a lot of the people today don't know them. So going back, that huge moment in your career, pay-per-view, involved with the Intercontinental title, Jeff gets the win. How happy were you for Jeff, and what was the celebration like that night? I'm sorry, I was just sending you a text. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, the celebration was, was, was what it was every night, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Jeff drank a lot. I took a lot of pills and smoked a lot of dope, and we went to the next town and did it again. And, uh, and look, that's what I mean by not... Uh, fully comprehending the scenario that I was in professionally, not fully uh, and taking it for granted, to be quite honest with you, because I was young and dumb and loved the wrestling business and just wanted to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? And that's where I was at. That's where so, I was at right now. Fresh out of the Marine Corps, working in pay-per-views, winning Intercontinental titles or helping Jeff win the Intercontinental title. Like, holy mackerel. Um, when I was in the military, I watched a Survivor Series at my brother Brad's house when he lived in Charlotte. And the WWF at the time was the hugest thing I'd ever seen. And now here I am literally like 
eight, seven years later on the same screen, you know, on the same uh, stage yep. as those yep. guys. Just incredible time in my life. We're like a month in on the gimmick. Did you know that you had a winner at this point and it was going somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it wasn't me. It was the package. It was Jeff Jarrett and Road right. Dog. It wasn't right. just the roadie. It was a winning thing. It was the combination. It was the it was the package, the duo. Uh, I'm talking a lot about package because you know Blue Chew, um, but but uh, it was the whole unit. <laughs> That's a unit now. I can't get away from the uh, anyway. So so it was the whole deal. And look, then that deal got to work with the Scott Halls of the world, with the Razors of the uh, the, the Diesels of the world, the Heartbreak uh, Kids, Bret the X Pac. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bret Hart, William Shatner, for the love of God. So so I got to be in there with some people that just taught me the world and I, and I can never repay them, man. And again, I just go back and search for any of those matches. If there's any on television, cause they were friggin' awesome. I mean, that was the creation of the roadie and it yeah. happened and it became something and it led to the, to the start of what became a legendary hall of fame career for you, man. Holy mackerel. Let's get to some fan questions. It's surreal. Okay. Let's do it. Adfreeshows.com slapnut Devin Dowling asks, did your father give you any last minute advice that stuck with you before debuting in WWF? You kind of mentioned that before. A little bit, but look, my father gave me more advice, uh, life advice, and it pertained to my, prof or, yeah, my profession, professional life as well. So it was more like uh, be humble, uh, do what's asked of you, do the best you can. You know what I mean? Like it was more like, Hey, you do your best and you, and you shut up and take your money. You know what I mean? Like it was more about life lessons than it was about wrestling that I've covered this before too. A lot of times I'd be doing pushups in the back and he'd be smoking a cigarette and he'd say, don't leave it all back here. And uh, at his point was, we're going to go to the ring. You're going to get hyped. You're going to get pumped up out there. Don't do it here too. You know what I mean? Like save it for the ring. And, uh, and that's the thing I say to a lot of people when they start fussing each other, guys, save it for the ring. Uh, and so, um, yeah, he taught me more life lessons and wrestling lessons. Adfreeshows.com top gal Lindsay Lopez asks, Ooh. I'd love to know who came up with the small details the roadie used, like <clears throat> kneeling on the side of the ring during matches, or the towel and water bottle. Dog, you kind of talked about it. Yeah, In great, fact, great, you did talk great about question, it. Great question, though. Like, it's literally how I, I saw the guys... Uh, Doing that to stay out of the way and to shut, get pulling the cables, squatting down, maybe on a knee, uh, and it's all about staying out of the TV camera. You know what I mean? That's what the roadie does. But for me, they of course they're going to keep me in the camera. But it was all for me about walking low. Look, I just literally watched the guys out there and watch what they did, and I did the exact same thing. But I got knocked off the apron a couple times every night. <laughs> Adfreeshows.com top guy Mitchell Barnett asks, Road Dog, Brian, not sure what to call you. <laughs> Upon entering the WWF WWE in 1994, who were maybe the top two or three guys you most wanted to work with currently in the company? And were there any guys you had a bad opinion of coming in based off things you might have heard from your brothers or father coming up in the business? Well, I, you know, th at this point, again, very young, very immature, uh, both in personally and professionally. So I knew not what I was doing. Uh, I just wanted to be there next to Jeff and do my thing until it was time for me to do something different. You know what I mean? So I didn't really think like, oh, I want to work with that guy or I want to work with this guy. Truth be told, I'd worked with most of them already. Um, 
whether it be in Smoky Mountain, whether it be in WCW, whether it be on a, you know so somewhere, I'd worked with a lot of them or knew a lot of them anyway. I didn't really have a bad attitude towards anybody. Uh, that stuff came later when I came back, and still it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, malice stuff. It was just guys work snugger than other guys, and you got to either bring it to or or get beat up. And <laughs> you know what I mean. So uh, so yeah, I forgot the question, but her name was. Yeah, her, her name Michelle was Michelle Barrett. No, his name was Mitchell Barnett. Oh, Mitchell Barnett. Sorry, yes. I was trying to read it. I was trying to read it without him knowing that I didn't really know his name. That's okay. That's okay, dog. We're going to move on hey, to the next question. Kayfabe, kayfabe, bro. Fizzled and baked. <laughs> <laughs> Cardinals 11, Bulls 5. Or maybe that's Cardinals 11, 5, Bulls, as Michael Berry <laughs> Sr. wants oh, to know. I know Michael Berry. You know Michael Berry. Yeah, he's a, pa- he's, a, he's a pastor. That's it. A pastor. You know, we pastor? brought up a question yeah. of his on the show in the past. Yeah. He's one of our favorite longtime listeners, first-time callers. Yep, I love him. If you could have swapped characters with anyone at the period of time at the WWF, who would it have been, and why would it have been Charles Wright? Hashtag Papa Shango. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely would have been him. Uh, but at And the reason being at the time is because he smokes a ton of weed. Um but then I'd rather really not be, uh, I don't do that anymore, guys. I was young. Watching um, but, him but, take his hits with his, with yeah, his dab was, rigs Yes, right now. you know what? He, is, he was a veteran. <laughs> he was a veteran, and I looked up to that. I respected him. No, I really wanted to be him when he was the godfather <laughs> for reasons that don't need to be talked about here. Anything oh. goes when it comes. Okay. Tyler Ball. <laughs> wait, wait, look at this transmission from the godfather to Tyler Ballman. Oh, I love it. At T-Ball 615 says, as the roadie, oh, this is actually a great question. This is probably the best question that I should have asked earlier. Yeah. As the roadie, what snacks were you in charge of getting for the road trips? And did you guys have a favorite cassette to listen to? That one's brilliant. So, Tyler so Ballman, that's my favorite. Right. And I love that he used the, the cassette. I think we were, I think we were doing CDs by then, but I'm not sure. 95, 94? you got to be in CDs. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, yeah. We, um, I had some CDs that we listened to a lot, uh, and Jeff and I both kind of have a, a very eclectic style of music. Like we like all kinds of music, um, and I was in charge basically of the drugs. Uh, Jeff was in charge of the beer. So the snacks. Look, sometimes we didn't even make it to eat snacks. So sometimes. We're lucky we made it to the friggin' next town. So <laughs> potential sponsorship deals. What was the beer of choice on the road trip rides? Oh, Miller Lite, Miller Lite, and uh, and Fritos, chili cheese Fritos. When it Sorry. comes to domestic, was... I'm a Miller Lite fan myself, All right. and All I right, like cool. the bullet bottles, the screw top metal. I thought you were bottles. gonna say Bullet Bob. Well, I do like Bullet Bob, but I also <laughs> like too. the bullet bottles of Miller Lite. They go down smooth. Smooth. You know what else goes down smooth? A nice tablet from Bluetooth.com. <laughs> when that package arrives, sir, your package has arrived. Not to be confused with Johnny 5, but Johnny 7 <laughs> wants to know, when did you start singing and when did you start rapping and which one do you prefer? Hashtag getting rowdy. Oh, snap. Look, I love uh, I love singing. I don't think I'm that good at it, but I, I do love trying to do it. Um, I lost my voice 
last night where I live, we fed some Christians and a couple of lions and man, was I screaming. Uh, no, but I, <laughs> I, I think lost I know my, your favorite song to sing at the WWE performance center. And we maybe, maybe we should sing it together. Like, Oh, you know, cause I think it goes a little something like three, two, one. And you are my hero. <laughs> it was a, it was a song we wrote. I mean, it's still, it was still a work in progress. You know what I mean? But Ikimanjiro, you are my hero. You drink Coke Zero, maybe another sponsorship there. We're, we're spitting some blue chip sponsorships here. I like this. I like this. I do well, too, dog. Ryan. Look, I hate to stop, but we got to get out of here. Your battery's dying, and then wraps up another one. I like singing better than one. rapping Let's for that guy. Let's sing because we can go in another one, and another one, and another one bites, bites the dust. dust. Hey. hey. I'm going to get you, I don't too. know the words. The dust. I was a big JYD fan, and I think I read Ooh, in one of too. the comments section, the someone thought that you and JYD would have made a heck of a tag team. Let me tell you something that's a true story, and this is our outline for sure. First time I ever smoked crack, JYD. And on that note, I've <laughs> dogs, and I guess, oh, you didn't know. I love you, Catsy. Right back at you, dog. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com.